Okay, so hello listeners, this is your host Melanie, and today I am joined by Ms. Dawn Ferrer. She works with A Safe Place, and thank you so much for um, coming on to our show. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is yep, Dawn Fair. I'm program director of A Safe Place. We're in Wilmington, North Carolina. I've been in North Carolina for 19 years, originally from upstate New York. And I went back for my master's um, at my late 40s. And that's when I started learning about trafficking. I took a class called Vulnerable Populations. And it's when I first learned about domestic trafficking, which looks differently than, you know, those images that we have of, you know, girls being kidnapped in Europe and put on a boat and, you know, transported to places. Um, not to say that that doesn't happen, but, you know, I started learning about what, you know, what that looks like in the U.S. and what that looks like even in, in my own my own community. So working with this population has become become my passion. I've been doing it for six and a half years. So that's amazing, the work you do. And one of the new things that I learned from your organization was domestic sex trafficking. So can you just define that for those who may not know? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, really what, what we're seeing um, domestically is it's not that stranger danger. It's not that situation where you're being kidnapped and forced into a situation. It's generally involving grooming. Um, and that grooming could take place over the course of a year. It's getting that person to trust you. It's knowing the right things to say. It's preying on their vulnerabilities and getting that um, person to fall in love with you. And then once they're in that situation, you know, you use manipulation and coercion to continue to keep them in that exploitive situation. And then at that point, they start doing things that they wouldn't normally do, but they're doing it for this person who they've fallen in love with. Yeah. So we see, especially with young people, you know, young girls, a lot of them fall into this relationship and, you know, a lot of them, this is their first relationship. So they don't really know better or know the warning signs. So they stay in this, you know, toxic cycle without realizing they're being exploited. So what does your organization do to help these victims and help kind of prevent this victims from falling prey? Um, So as far as the, I'm sorry, the prevention part of it. Yeah. Yeah, we so we just started a new program, um, a minor prevention program, where we're targeting at-risk girls between the ages of 11 and 14, because generally that's the average age that a young girl or young boy would enter the um, the sex trade. So we're targeting that age to you know teach them what it what that looks like. What is a predator? What does that look like? Uh, what are the words that a predator might use? What are those tactics? Um, and, you know, a lot of it is just it's trusting your gut and, and really understanding that that feeling you're having, it, it, it means something, you know, but we're also teaching a lot of empowerment skills and life skills. You know, some of these kids have just not had those role models in their life to, you know, to teach them those things. They may not have grown up with healthy relationships in the family. So, again, it's stressing what that healthy, that healthy relationship um, looks like. So as far as the prevention aspect, that's something that we start, we're starting in the fall. So we're really excited about it. So with the prevention, I think it's really important to start that conversation early. A lot of people that I know and myself included, I didn't know what trafficking was until I reached high school. Mm -hmm. So I think like even with little kids, just telling them, you know, if you see someone and you don't feel safe and you just have this feeling of like, 
you know, I want to go back to my parents, just trust your gut, go with it, Mm -hmm. you know, and it could be like a five minute conversation with your kid and saying, you know what, you know, a lot of bad things happen in the world. If you see someone who has acting this way, or it's coming towards you saying these certain things that are concerning, they come to us or a trusted adult. So I think it's really important to start. So what is the aspect of your organization that actually works with victims? Um, We have uh, an outreach center where that's where our our core staff are. It's where our case managers are. It's where we um, do most of our therapies. We have some group therapies, individual therapy. We also have offsite. We have equine therapy. Um, and art therapy. I'm hoping to start music therapy this um, this fall. So I think it is that alternative um, therapies that seem the the victims seem to really grab hold of um, and really get the most out of. We also have a 12 bed emergency shelter, which we've had for three and a half years. And what sets our shelter apart from others is they can bring their kids as long as we have the space available. They are allowed to bring their kids. Um, they can stay there for 60 days. A component of that is we do a lot of substance abuse counseling. We have a certified alcohol and drug counselor on staff that we contract with um, because it's unfortunate, but with the opioid crisis, um, the epidemic that hit here in 2018, um, addiction kind of goes hand in hand with trafficking right now. So that's become an important part of our of our program too. And it's really helping them with the recovery aspect so they don't slide back into that exploitive situation. Um, I do a lot of training in the community with first responders, um, law enforcement, medical staff at the hospital, and that's just so they know how to identify a victim, but also understanding the trauma that that victim has been through and the right way to handle a victim. And a lot of it is just validating what they're saying and believing and believing what they're saying and caring, you know, caring about what they're saying. Uh, we also do a jail outreach program where, uh, you know, I go into the jail one day a week and I teach a class on some topic, but mostly it's just being there, giving them hope, um, starting that trusting relationship, you know, so when they come out of jail, you know, they have a place where they can come, you know, I've already started that connection um, with them. So that that's actually an important program, not just for the victims, but for us too, because we get 50% of our referrals from from that program. So I am excited to get back in the jail, hopefully this fall. And then we do have a hotline. We have a 24 seven hotline. So any victim in crisis can call. It can be the middle of the night. Um, You know, if she needs shelter, we do involve law enforcement for everyone's safety at that point. Um, But she's welcome to come to the shelter at any, you know, at any time. And yeah, and I think it's really important to, with hotlines, a lot of people may not feel comfortable calling 911 because, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like an emergency service, but at least this hotline knows that, yes, what you're going through is an emergency and we're here for you. And with the therapy, I think it's so important to alternative because a lot of people are not really used to lying down on the couch, talking about all their feelings, but, you know, art therapy and like hopefully music therapy, it just, you know, gives that release to them. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think is the biggest contributor to, you know, the sexual exploitation and trafficking? I think that the number one contributor is childhood sexual abuse and violence. Our stats don't always show that because that is a hard thing for some victims to admit. 
um, that childhood sexual abuse. But I'm pretty confident with, you know, the experience that I've gotten over the last six years that that's pretty close to 100 percent have experienced that. And really what that does is you start associating that abuse with love. Um, and then, you know, as you become an adult, you're still continuing that, that cycle and you're still looking, looking for love when, you know, you, you're just very vulnerable to, you know, being exploited by, by a predator and by a trafficker. I think, you know, there's other components too. It's just, you know, lack of family support, uh, poverty, also uh, runaways, kids in the foster care system and the LGBTQ, uh, those are all groups that are extremely vulnerable. And we do, um, we have seen an increase in trafficking, especially with the LGBTQ community because a lot of those kids don't have family support, you know, so then they become runaways, you know, and they are trying to find someone to care about them. Yeah, and with child sex abuse, one of the biggest contributors that kind of augments the issue is not having a conversation with your kid because mm -hmm. it can happen at any age. But, you know, I think that, you know, five, six, you should just introduce them with certain, you know, uh, vocabulary maybe. Like if you're touched here or you feel uncomfortable or this person is kind of, you know, just come to mommy and daddy and mm -hmm. we can figure it out. And I right. think that's really important because that's the only way your kid will know my parents are an outlet or my guidance counselor is an outlet, you know, some trusted adult I can come to and that, you know, that relationship is what your organization provides for so many who don't have one. I think right. that's a huge contributor to why victims seek out help. Right. So how do you think a lot of people, especially um, children and, you know, parents can teach their children to protect themselves from exploitation and trafficking. What do you think is the best way? Um, so I really do. So I teach a class, it's called Online Predators, Trafficking and Social Media. Um, it's geared toward kids like between 11 and 15 and, I, and with their parents, but I'm also working on one for younger elementary school um, students as well, just trying to figure out the right language language to use. But a lot of it is recognizing what manipulation is, recognizing grooming and the tactics used by a trafficker. What they do is they watch your posts. They're looking for kids who are posting about being lonely, who are posting, you know, they're having fights with their parents or maybe their parents aren't even around. You know, they're reading those posts and what they're doing is they're trying to get to know the child. They're, they'll see who their favorite sports are, sports teams are, what their favorite music is, what kind of clothes they like, you know, those things. And then that way, that's, a, that's an in for them to start that conversation. Um, the other really important thing is, is teaching kids how to keep your private information private. And, you know, the FBI taught me that you give someone a phone number, um, you know, especially with a child, they'll find out your, the kid's last name, where the parents work, your, their address. If you're an older teen and you have a job, they can find out where you work. They can find out all your social media profile names, your IP address of your laptop, you know, those kinds of things with, you know, just giving them a phone number. So I think with, you know, with mostly it's just about having a conversation, open conversation with your child and, you know, being comfortable to have that conversation. Yeah. And I think like, you know, everyone says the internet is the monster with two heads. There's a good aspect and a bad. And for people in my generation and even beyond, we 
didn't really grow up with much technology. I remember going outside and just all my parents told me was stranger danger because mm -hmm. we were outside. And then computers, a lot of these kids, they don't know anything besides the internet. And, you know, I think it's really important, not only just cyberbullying, but it, there's so many avenues of danger in this. And, yeah. you know, if, you know, I know the rule of three, where if someone's talking to you online and they have one thing in common with you, then a second and a third, there's definitely a pattern. Mm -hmm. It's way too coincidental for this to happen. Right. And it's so sad because so many kids don't know anybody. They think they have a friend. They don't know that it could be some 40 year old man yeah. um, living in another state and asking to meet up at the park can turn extremely dangerous, extremely quickly. Exactly. So um, what are warning signs of trafficking that listeners should look out for? Um, as far as, uh, let's say you have a minor child. Um, I think it's if they start uh, running away, if their grades drop, if you're seeing just a behavior change in them, they may start to isolate themselves, hanging out in their room more, not hanging out with their friends. You may see some self-harm activities, some cutting. Um, obviously, they could attempt suicide or they might have developed a drug or alcohol um, habit. Um, some general signs, like for the public to know, especially if you're at an event I will say, I'm sure you've heard like the Super Bowl, the Olympics, that increases the demand um, for sex and you know increases trafficking. So it's really just watching someone's body language. They generally don't make eye contact. They're very submissive. They're in a situation where the other person is very controlling, controlling um, speaking for them, maybe controlling their ID, their money. You might see someone dressed very provocatively for the setting. And generally that, that young woman would be with in the company of an older male. And I am stressing more for females because generally not many male victims come forward. So um, generally what I talk about is female victims, but the identifiers would, would be similar. They would definitely be similar. They generally don't have a lot of possessions with them. They may not know what city they're in. Um, and then of course, just like physical signs of abuse and, and drug use. Yeah, so just basically a complete loss of self. Yeah, absolutely. Associated. And even if it's not trafficking, there might be something under the surface. Exactly, like it could be a domestic, exactly. Yeah. It could be a domestic violence situation or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and both ways someone should say something. Yes. And with male victims, it's so sad because there's this rhetoric of, oh, boys, you know, like you have to look strong, you know, oh, yeah. if it's an older woman hitting on you, you're just good looking. But yeah. these men are being groomed and, you know, half the time they don't even know it. So yeah. I think it's really important that, you know what, you're being groomed, we're here to help. And I Yeah, exactly. And the shame, I think, with a male yeah. victim is even greater. Yeah. So that is all the questions that I have for you. So thank you so much for joining us. Of course. And all of a safe place, says social media links will be on my website and everyone can go donate. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks for having me.